0: Welcome to Strategic Insights, brought to you by Pride Staff. On each episode, we bring you interviews with leading management and employment experts from across the country. Your host for Strategic Insights is Brad Smith. And now, here's Brad.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Strategic Insights from Pride Staff. I'm your host, Brad. Today, I'm really excited. We have a special podcast guest, Anthony Trucks. Anthony was an Oregon Ducks football star, He was an NFL athlete, American Ninja Warrior. He's now an author. He's a consultant and a transformational identity shift coach. He's here to talk to us about how we can achieve success, not just by shifting our outlook, but
0: by really shifting our identity. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to come chat with cool people. (laughs) Sounds great. Wait, that'd be you guys, the cool people. (laughs) I love it. Thanks for boosting us up there. Anthony, you obviously
1: have a very diverse set of skills. You have some God-given talents. And I think sometimes when people hear, boy, you were a football star, you went to the NFL, you got on American Ninja Warrior. Some people think like, oh, you know what? Anthony just got lucky. He was born that way. He didn't have to work hard. Now, I kind of know some of your backstory and I know that that's not true. You've had to work ridiculously hard for everything that you've earned. If you don't mind, give our listeners a little bit of your background story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It was not easy. I wish it was the case. It'd be nice, but I don't think anything that's worthwhile in life starts with people just having enough to get. Um, So no, I was, uh, I guess, earlier years of my life, I was given away into foster care at three. And so like the earliest memories I have of my life are being, you know, not loved by my mom, being mistreated by other people. And if anybody can um, attach the emotion of feeling less than for whatever reason in your life, that's how I started. And, you know, I went through different situations of like abuse and torture and, and starvation by different families. So by the time I was six years old, I was a really shut down little kid emotionally. And my family now, man, it's, it's interesting because I grew up as the only black person in an all white family. So I had a lot of diversity issues, a lot of identity issues, um, was not allowed to have any, you know, kind of outlets of sport um, because of the situation, foster care. So I wasn't even allowed to play sports until I was 14 years old. So where all my peers are playing at what, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, I'm, I'm about to go into high school having never played a team sport before. And I want to try my hand at something new and it was football. So I finally got adopted, uh, which was a whole change of my dynamic in the family, a change of self-worth. And then I want to try my hand this new thing. And I tried it and I was very, very bad. Like I did play in the NFL later, but believe me, when I first played, I might have been the worst player on the team. Like I was... I was gangly and skinny. I had no skill with a football helmet and shoulder pads on, nothing. But I went through this kind of process of effort and energy I gave forth in a very specific manner over a certain amount of time that uh, in time turned into me having not just the skill set, but the internal, I guess you can call it confidence at a simple level, this internal knowing that I deserved more. And I fought because as humans, we fight for what we believe we deserve. When you've done the work in the dark, you will not let people take what's yours in the light. And so what ended up happening is I did this work in the dark. I'll call it. I just kept building, building, building. When I came to the light, I deserved more. And I showed up differently. And that, over time, turned into a football scholarship to University of Oregon, NFL, and, and so forth. But I wish I could say, no, I don't. I do not wish I could say it was easy. I like the work, man. I like the journey. I believe when you start to do those things, you fall in love with it. And those who fall in love with the work, it becomes effortless effort. And when that becomes a flow for how you show up in life, then life becomes a kind of a joy at a different level.
1: So with all those different challenges, did you ever get to a point where you said to yourself, you know what, this isn't worth it. I can't do this. I don't want to put the work in. I'm tired. I'm done.
0: Yeah. But that's a, that's called humanity, right? We all get there. That's a, it's a normal thing. I did that at 15 years old, in fact. So before I even we got to be a better football player. When I first came into the, we'll call it the, the world of trying to be better at a sport, first year I sucked at football. Second year I went in and I tried my best. It was my high school freshman year. And I didn't really have a place where I felt comfortable. I just, whether it was uh, with, with societal norms within my school, I'd never been around people that looked like me ever. You know, I, I wasn't kind of, had not had no place that I felt comfortable and, and included or as human beings, we want to be accepted. I never had that. So I tried on the football field, didn't have it. So I did, I chalked it all up, man. My adoptive mama got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My older brother, I'm one of six, he went off to the military and he was like the rock and I was doing at football. So I'm like, I am, I'm done with this. Like what, and what am I gonna do? I'm a foster kid. And I didn't realize till later in life but if you go to any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. So we're not statistically set up to do very well. And I, I did that. I chalked it up. I was like, this is too hard. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to be subjected to the, the, the pain of the realization I'm bad at this thing. So I gave up. And and it was in that the moments of me giving up where I actually was given a gift of somebody stating out loud the excuse I was making internally for why I was giving up. And it, it just latched on enough to settle funny in my belly. And then I was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I never want this to be my life. And that was the catalyst to go. But for sure, for a good, I would probably say like two three months, man. I was like, I'm done with this game of football. I'm done trying to be good. It's just too much. So there was that trigger where you just heard somebody else repeating
1: your own words or your own thoughts that you, you know, intrinsically you realized, you know what, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm battling through this. I'm not I'm not going to give up. It wasn't that I didn't want to give up is that I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Gotcha. Whenever you get to those moments where everything's like, you know, desolate and it's all you know destroyed, nothing's gonna be good, you have to determine do I want to continue feeling this or do I want it to end? And there's a statement that I love, and it says, Action ends suffering. And so if I have these these suffering moments, the, the longer you stay there, the longer you stay there. And the only way you stop staying there is by taking action in the opposite direction. You won't feel like it. It'll be the last thing on planet Earth you want to do is to take a positive action, right? But that is the only thing that climbs you out of those holes. You're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden, for some odd reason, feel like a million bucks and life is great. You got to do something. And the doing something is the actual piece that becomes the, the, the next step in the direction you want to go. I love that. Actions and
1: suffering. How powerful is that? You have a new book coming out. The title is Identity Shift, Upgrade How You Operate to Elevate Your Life. Talk to us a little bit about what it really means to shift your identity or take that action to end the suffering.
0: Yeah, well, I think it'll help to get a little more of like a, a structure of like my adult years because we're talking about 15, 16. Let's be honest. That's, that's like, okay, cool, man. You were as a teenager, had some things, but I've got a yeah. whole plethora of situations from life. So I, I, from high school, I went up to college, had a kid at 20 years old as a true, you know, a true freshman in college, had my fiance was my high school sweetheart previously come up with me. And so we were navigating like a kid as, you know, kind of sophomores in college and all of our te- peers are out running around, hanging out. We're running around getting diapers, you know? Uh, and we made it work somehow. I also met my real dad who I didn't know he existed and, in- I met him at like 20 years old in my very first collegiate start that took place on national television. I got a game ball. It was a cool experience That balls right here, actually. And so like, it was a cool thing. Right. And that's that's just college. Then I lose some grandparents one to cancer and one to suicide like that was just very difficult. Um, then I got into my post college career in the NFL. The NFL is a very interesting beast. It is very cutthroat. It's very stressful. It's just it's there's a lot of pressure and you're consistently fighting against a situation where no one kind of wants you there. Your teammates want you to go so they can get paid more. The coaches, they want you to perform. And if not, they want you to go, right? And every day you're on the line. It's just, oh, so much stress and pressure. And, and unfortunately, it also, it's, it's not a long trip. I, I was there and in my third year got hurt and came home. Since for not for long, we we'll call it. That's what NFL stands for. And, and then as I got out of the NFL, I had this massive identity crisis. Because anytime you've been doing something for a long period of time, no matter what it is you've given into, right? I'm a parent, I'm a a teacher, I have a job, I'm I'm in a relationship, whatever it is. When that thing ends, whether by choice or by chance, and you wake up one day and you're no longer doing it, it hits you. It's this like, who am I without X? And for a lot of people, we don't know how to answer the question. We, We don't understand how it affects our life from that moment forward. And so when I came home like I, I wasn't quite done yet, but I didn't have a sense of Anthony. I'd had two more kids with my, my wife. We got married at the end of college. So now I have a four-year-old, I have newborn twins. And I eventually realized like football's over, comes crashing down on my heart. And now it's like, well, who am I? I'm not doing, what do I do? And I was like, I got to find that guy again. So I was like, well, let me build something. So I go and build this gym business. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not making any money. Uh, I'm at the gym 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I'm just, I'm burning the midnight oil and I'm getting up before the sun, right? And so I'm never home. My wife's at home with these kids, these brand new babies. And on top of that, I'm not even bringing money in and I'm getting out of shape and I'm stressed. And so like I got to the bottom, you want to talk about another place when I gave up, like that was it. There's a point when I woke up and I was like, I don't like this life, man. My, My wife had actually had an affair, which was, man, it broke my heart. Um, I, I, it just, whenever you, all you wants family, cause you're a foster kid and your family's taken from you, it ruins you. It breaks your soul. So now I'm, I'm not in shape anymore. I'm not the football player. I'm not doing good in my business. I'm not a great father. I'm not even in a, in a relationship that gives me any Anchorage. So who was Anthony? I, everything that made me, me was gone. And I settled in one night. I was like, I'm done with this. And I sent a text to my friends and family and said, please tell my kids that their father was. And I went out looking for rap boys and to be quite honest. And thankfully it was late enough at night, nothing was open. I just kind of sat in my car and the feeling kind of, you know, subsided, we'll call it. And uh, it was just this point of like a bottom and I had to figure out how to come out of it. And, and unfortunately I'd like to be like, I woke up and things got great, but it really wasn't the case. In fact, I went into what I call a fog and the fog is that longevity piece where like you get up every day day, you're taking actions, but going nowhere. There's no progress. There's no flow. There's no determining like what my future is. I'm just kind of doing enough to be able to feed myself and not, you know, feel bad. We'll call it for today. And so I went through this fog for a few years. Unfortunately, my mom passed away from MS in 2014. And I was there in the, in the room holding her hand. And it was one of those catalyst moments where it's like, I got to do better. I got to figure out how to do it. And unfortunately, I wish I could say like, that was the moment. Two more years. I sat in that fog until one day I woke up and I looked in the mirror. And it was a morning, it was like a New Year's day. And I just, you know, I was hung more from the night before. Just, it just was a horrible, shameful feeling looking in the mirror and having the, the least amount of respect and highest amount of shame for a human that I'd seen in myself. And that was the moment that I was like, this has got to adjust. And when I looked at what I was trying to do to fix it, I was trying to, what do I got to learn? And we all do that. What do I got to learn? And I realized it was less about what I had to learn because I knew what to do. We know what to do. As humans, we know, stop doing those things, start doing those things. We just don't do them because they don't feel like they're us. I don't do that. And that's when I realized it was less about what I knew, but who I was with what I knew. And that was the first kind of trajectory and journey towards this, the shift of identity. And through that work, man, I, I got my marriage back together in a long bout of forgiveness and growth and human, human kind of understanding. And I have an amazing marriage. It's, it's, I love my life and my wife. Um, I have kids that have a present father. I'm in good shape. I get to be active. I have a business where I serve people. And I, and I, I learned how I did it. It's the best way to explain it. I, I went back and said, what did I do over all these different years of shifting my identity, not even just that situation, but all the ones before. What is the, this, the neuroscientific background to it? How did the brain adjust? Like what, you know, neuroplasticity exists. How did I rewire it? What's the psychology? How do I think through these things? And I, I kind of put it all into a process called the shift method. And, and what it turned into doing was this process where I could walk somebody else through it. And I, I give speeches on it. I, I coach people and clients on it. I work with large organizations, all those fun things. But then I realized it needs to be in more people's hands because it's very useful. It's very simplistic. It's hard work, but it's very simplistic. But once you understand it, it gives you a different sense of like, oh, I know how to live my life in a way to get what I want now. And so the book is called Identity Shift, it's simple identity shift, which unpacks, the shift method. It's its really a step-by-step rubric of understanding the concepts. So it's like some good concepts. Like, so you get, oh, okay, I get it now. And then it's okay. Here's how I apply those concepts. I find some books, they just give you concept. It's up to you to figure it out. And I was like, no, no, no. I want to make sure that the second half of this book, you understand exactly how to apply it. And so, yeah, I, uh, I put it together and, uh, and I'm excited for it to come out August 24th. And then those who actually are listen and if they go to identityshiftbook.com and use the code PRIDESTAFF um, you guys will get a free audio book free digital book and a free actual workbook that guides you through this process and the first 10 people I will sign autograph a copy and send it from my house to your home so that's the book man that's uh, it's been a journey so I wanted people to grasp kind of why I wrote the book we'll call it to understand the book. Well thank you for putting
1: the perspective behind that an absolutely amazing story and I think at some level, we've all battled some of that, um, not, uh, I'm, I'm sure, the severity of, of some of the challenges, but just knowing that you need to change isn't enough. But thinking through, as, as you mentioned, the mental and the chemical side of that and how we can overcome that can
0: help us drive a ton of action in our own lives. Yeah, yeah. That's. A, I think that we, we feel like we're alone sometimes. I think that's the one, that's the human problem. We're never alone. Somebody has always felt our pain in the same way, or maybe different, but similar. And what's, what's odd is whenever we're going through things as people, we, we don't want to burden the happy. I don't want to tell people who are happy about my bad news, so I just keep it to myself. And so I realized like, well, no, we're not alone. And those who are happy, they want to have you be happy, especially if they love you. And so we are confining ourselves these weird little you know, painful prisons unnecessarily, and a lot of it comes down to understanding each other, understanding ourselves at an identity level. And once you do, it gives you a different sense of control of your life, like a different, it's like you understand different levers, different buttons you can push. And when you can do that, man, it helps you craft and actually mold life vastly different. So Anthony,
1: I'd love to pull this back into business. So a lot of our listeners are leaders in their organization. They're <laughs> HR managers, their hiring managers, department heads, owners of companies. This past year has been challenging, both from an economic standpoint and from an emotional standpoint. There's been um, mental health issues reported because of the pandemic. There's been a lot of people that are unemployed, underemployed, there's companies yeah. that can't find talent. For our listeners today, these, these company leaders or their hiring managers that are having just these challenges with finding people, getting people motivated, how might they need to shift to
0: overcome some of those challenges? Well, the good thing is we're all human. I mean, I I run a business. I work almost exclusively with business owners. So the things I'm talking about are definitively tied to the same demographic of person mm-hmm. you're talking to. Uh, if you think about it this way, there are things that we know we're supposed to work on, we're supposed to do at certain times. And I'm going to take us to a, a singular moment that we all experience. It's the moment where I know what I'm supposed to do, but I, I get there and go, you know, it's been a long day. Or, you know what, I just, I don't feel like doing it right now. Uh, I don't want to make those calls. I want to make that list. I don't feel like getting the emails sent out. You know, I don't feel like talking to that person. I just, so I'll make an excuse to be able to press it off for a moment. And so I have a lot of clients that they'll say, Anthony, man, I, I, I got this goal for, you know, make seven figures. Sounds great. You want to make this goal to create this thing. I want to build the business. I want. Okay, great. All right. So what's going on? Oh, I got this, this, this. I know I'm gonna do this, but I'm going to go ahead and wait till next month for this. I'm going to, my wife and I had an argument that we're going to go hold and I go, okay, great. So you want this thing, right? Okay. The person who is experiencing what you want to experience, who has that life, they have the clients, they have the staff, they have the employees, The person that has that right now would they make this same excuse? And the reality is, no. That person living that wouldn't even consider the excuse you're considering. So I, I plant that as a seed right now for everybody listening to go, okay, so it's not what you know, it's who you are with what you know. And if you're saying, Anthony, I'm not that guy, you know, I'm not that girl, I, I, it sounds good, but I didn't play in the NFL like you. I didn't go through these hard things like you. I totally get it. The thing is not that I got there it's that I showed up every day to get there. That's the difference. It's not, it's not monumental. It's incremental. Now, I say that and I'm telling you, you know the things to do. There's going to be calls you have to make, situations you have to be in. If you want to inspire people, you have to be inspired. People don't follow the quiet, lethargic, sad person. They follow the person that looks like they know where they're going. You know, and you get that by doing the work each day. And if you don't feel like that, I had a client yesterday say, Anthony, man, I'm, I'm doing this work. Like I just, I've never attached myself to the words discipline or discipline. Like I feel like I struggle there. And I go, okay, great. Well, the person who describes discipline or owns it, what do you think they did? Well, I don't know. They, they just, they shut up and they did their things every day and they just had inspiration. I was like, not really. The whole concept of discipline is to do it when you don't want to do it, right? All they did was they just every day showed up did the work, whether they emotionally felt like it or not. And now they can express that as I've been disciplined or I am disciplined. So I'm just giving you the seed of it's not supposed to be this monumental one fell swoop change. If you want to inspire people every day, do a single thing that inspires you and share it, show it, engage through your actions, let people see it but it's gonna be something that happens over time. It's not gonna be an immediate thing. And I get it, man. I, I, last year was crazy for me too. I'm usually up on stages, you know? And now I'm, I got a whole studio at the house and I'm hanging out. Believe me, I had to go through a whole, a whole new adjustment of like, how do I show up and talk to people and, and be that guy and lead, right? Because we're leaders, leaders lead. And you have to lead from a place where you feel confident leading is the thing. And if you don't have the confidence of being disciplined or showing up or the inspiration, that's your first step. How do we work on the human of you? How do you become the person that is at that level? And you become the person through those consistent actions. And it may not happen today, but I promise you start today. It will happen in a near day, right? But start the process, show up, follow the leaders. You guys, man, those who are listening right now, like you guys are are engaged. Pride staff is an amazing company. I'm not saying that. They didn't ask me to say it. I'm going off on left field right now. But like I've, I've engaged with a lot of companies this year. These people, they are different in a positive way, it's actually enjoyable and a breath of fresh air to see people at a high level operating and caring at a high level. They lead, so you follow, they're doing it. It is no different for you as an individual human in what you do. It's all there, success leads clues, pick them up, right? And if you do that, you'll find yourself coming out of that funk, you'll find yourself leaning into a new space of joy because in the process, here's a cool part, in the process of being disciplined, being consistent, being inspired, you naturally achieve. You make more money, you find more time, you have more joy, you get more results. You just, you naturally achieve and that brings that joy. And so it's, it's the best of all worlds. So it's up to you at this point is like, do you want to sit still and complain and do the same thing? Or do you like, Hey, how can I take action on a daily basis incrementally to create that cool outcome?
1: So, Anthony, let's build on that for a minute. A lot of the people listening today are leaders in their organization. All right. They've done that for themselves. They've put in the work. They've gotten to where they are because they're committed, because they've achieved those goals. But they're working with a very diverse group of, of people. They have staff at various levels in the organization. Some embrace change and some don't. What do you do when you have team members that just aren't embracing that shift?
0: Everybody has a motivational point. That's the one thing that I think people uh, fail to grasp. The one thing is we all try to, to motivate everybody with the one same thing, and it's not the case. There are people who are driven by intrinsic. There are people driven by extrinsic, people that just want public appreciation. Some people want money. A lot of people want money. Let's be honest. Our duty as leaders is to determine how to best lead. And there's that Stephen Covey quote that I love. He says, treat everybody the same by treating everybody differently. And so if you can find out what the differences are for your individuals, it may take a little bit more energy, but as a leader, that's our duty, that's our job, right? So if I go in and find out what drives this person, what do they really, really want, you'll find out how to get them to do what you want them to do. Not in a way that's like negative or, you know, rude or like, you know, diabolical, but if I want my kid to eat a healthy meal, I got to find a way to get his this guy or girl's little kid to, to do it. And I, I may have to find out more. You want to watch a movie after to keep? OK, great. We want to watch that movie. We got to eat broccoli right now like that. You know, like it's OK to do that. Humans have different motivations. So if you're finding yourself like, why can't I get through to Bob? Well, Bob may not care about the money you're throwing in front of him. Maybe Bob wants a company trophy because he's been doing something for the last few years and he just, you know, or maybe it's an individual, like they. if you ask them questions about their life, maybe they're driven by this desire. Maybe they do need to make some more money. So while you want to motivate them by it's a great job and you serve a lot of people, they may actually say, you know what, I'm trying to pay off college, right? There's different things that are driven. So find out what motivates your person and lead from that position. Cynthia, I want to revisit something that you mentioned and started
1: talking about earlier. When people are battling adversity or they're trying to overcome challenges, oftentimes they go at it alone. So they feel like it's an individual obstacle that they have to overcome. When you're working with your clients or talking with individuals about making that shift, Does it really need to be an individual undertaking or can you reach out? Can you ask people for help? How do you get that support that you need to make that shift happen?
0: Yeah, well, it should never, I think never be alone. I think you can actually see yourself the way you need to. There's a statement that is, uh, it goes, you cannot see the label when you are inside the jar. So like you can't see what your true struggles are. And so when you wanna work on stuff, the problem is some people get to the point of working for a long period of time, putting energy out, and getting nowhere. And it really it's, it's, it hurts my heart to see it. And typically the reason is because of two things. One, they didn't, they didn't borrow joy. I say borrow joy and essentially saying they didn't go out to the people who could elevate their spirits when they didn't feel like being around. It's the same thing. People don't want to burden the happy. Well, if I'm in a joyful place, like I I actually want to give that. I want to find more joy by helping you be happy. Think about all the friends. Like, what do people do? What's your mom and dad do when you're in a bad mood? Like, come on, let's go get some ice cream. It was okay. You lost the game. That's all right. You go around joy and it elevates you, right? So when you're in a funky place, the last thing you want to do is be alone in a funky place. So go and borrow joy from other people. And then also, when it comes to you finding out the right work to do, this is where you almost need to enlist outside sources. I say need and I chose that word specifically, you're not gonna want to, you need to. And what happens is when you are finally shown the things that you need to work on, it doesn't look pretty. When you realize that maybe you need to be more communicative, maybe you need to stop being as lazy, maybe you don't show up on time, you need to work on that. People who are around you will show you these things. If you finally decide to see it with them, you'll actually give yourself permission to improve it and then your life can improve. So if you're looking at like, oh, man, should I be alone? Absolutely not. You need to be around people to borrow joy, but you also need to be around people who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And those people will help you get to the place you want to get.
1: Anthony, you mentioned earlier you've got a new book coming out. Remind us again where people can go to buy a copy. Yeah, if you go to
0: IdentityShiftBook.com and then go through the process, use the code word pride staff. Thank you so much for your time today. Just amazing
1: insight. Great story. I feel motivated. I'm ready to make that shift. Um, yeah. for, for those leaders that are facing these challenges right now with, with a tough time hiring, they're facing economic pressures, they're feeling like they're just not going to be able to get ahead and, and meet their company goals. Any closing words of wisdom for them?
0: Yeah, you're, you're going through the, uh, man, it's, it's like the crucible of success. The crucible of success is a, it's a process. And what it looks like is the first time you go out into the battlefield or whatever this the journey, like you're gonna be met with the fact that it didn't work out the way you wanted to. And most of the time it's so disheartening and so painful that, that I just, I decide I don't wanna try it again. And this, I did football. It was the same process for football when I tried it. I go out, I'm not good. Oh, it sucks. I'll walk away. I'll find an excuse to not do that thing. However, the moment that you walk away from the, the thing you were doing, is like the moment you take that golden, beautiful lesson that's right at your fingertips and throw it in the garbage, you don't learn from it. And what you should do is say, this sucked, it was horrible, it was a 10 of pain, 10 out of 10 of pain, I learned it, but you know what, now that I know this little thing, let me go, let me go try it again and go try it again. And it might be a 9.75 of pain still, right? But it got a little bit less. And the journey, the crucible, those who will succeed are the ones that are willing to go from a 10 to a 9.75 to a nine and a half to a nine to an eight to a seven to a six and get to the bottom and get to a zero. Not many people will go that journey. Most people will stop along the way. But here's the beautiful thing you're searching for. When you get to the bottom at zero, it is not painless. People think it's all, I got to the bottom, I can do without pain. No, 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 no. It's joy. It's an overwhelming abundance of like, oh, I love doing this thing now. People go, how do you do this, Brad? How do you, how does that thing work out? I don't know, man. I love doing it. How do you love doing it so much, right? It's a different sense because you went through the journey. You went through the crucible. You came out and found joy doing the things other people hate doing. And when you're able to do it in joy and it happens consistently, success becomes second nature. It just happens for you. you get that might as touch for life. And so people who are leaders right now going, man, it's long and it's hard. You might be at your, your eight and a half of pain right now. Make it at eight, then go to seven and keep on pressing. When you get that thing down to that joy level, it's going to be a completely different experience of life for you. Anthony, thank you again.
1: So much great insight today. I need to go back and re-listen to this and take some of these lessons to heart myself. For those that are listening If you're having hiring challenges, if you're having management issues, productivity issues, reach out to someone at Pride Staff. Don't go at it alone. We can help you. We work with thousands of professionals all across the country who have very similar challenges. You're you're not alone. We can help you overcome many of these business hiring and talent shortage issues. Anthony, thank you again so much. Make sure that you visit IdentityShiftBook.com. Buy a copy of Anthony's book. You're sure to find some great value there. And visit pridestaff.com. Reach out to your local Pride Staff office for help with your hiring challenges and for a great collection of resources. Thank you again, Anthony. Welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to Strategic Insights brought to you by PrideStaff. Whether you're looking for high-level workforce consulting or staffing help to meet demands, Pride Staff is here to help.